This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Coach, our adaptive sales coaching featuring five-minute quick coaching personalized to each sales rep. Learn more about Sales Fuel Coach at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast, everyone. Today, we're going to talk about Lee leadership acceleration. What does that mean? What does it really mean to be an emerging leader? Our guest is an emerging leader, and uh, I'm excited about talking to him. He certainly think? is. And this podcast, we've created it for today's managers and emerging leaders. So we're actually going to add some context to that today, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Me too. Well, everyone, I'm Audrey Strong. I'm Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm C. Lee Smith. I'm the President and CEO of SalesFuel. And emerging leader, Eddie Turner. I'm just going to call you that from going on. It's your official title. Welcome to our microphones. It's such a pleasure to have you. Well, thank you. What a pleasure to be here. It would be great to have you on this side of the microphone instead of on the other side. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. You know, I was just thinking about that. It's been a long time since I've done someone else's podcast. So I'm really excited to be here with you, Lee and Audrey. Thanks, Eddie. Well, for everyone who doesn't know, you should know Eddie Turner. He is the Leadership Accelerator, author of 140 Simple Messages to Guide Emerging Leaders, and 140 actionable leadership messages for emerging leaders and leaders in transition, an in-demand expert, worked for several of the world's most admired companies, Deloitte, Deloitte, GE, Accenture, just little itty-bitty, little Kiwi companies. (laughs) And Eddie works with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact. He is um, part of the C-Suite Network along with us, which is how we had the pleasure to meet him. And um, he is also the host of the Keep Leading podcast. And uh, Eddie, we're just so glad that we've been able to connect with you finally and get you on the show to talk about this. Yes. So what is an emerging leader? What is your definition of it? I know from doing some research, some of the things you say, but share with our listeners. That's an interesting question. When I wrote the book, the book was full of 140 simple messages or tweets. But what I wanted to do is just basically flesh out what is an emerging leader. And I interviewed people to see what their response would be. I came up with eight different responses that I use to define what an emerging leader is. But historically, the number one response people would give is what an HR we call hypos, high potential leaders, people who have the potential that the organization has realized we want to invest a little bit more in these individuals than perhaps our regular employee population. We believe these people are going places. And so we're going to dedicate more resources to these high performing, high potential employees. But then through my research and starting to just talk to different people, I realized that there's a lot more to being an emerging leader. So those are just a couple that I'd say, but we list about eight different definitions for the emerging leader in the book. I want to drill down a little bit on that, that, that hypo uh, comment that you made, because it's absolutely true. And the number one, I think, well, it's not just me, but I know it's been said before that the number one responsibility of a leader is to create new leaders. So how can a leader identify someone with the high potential to be a leader? Well, that's a very interesting question. The idea of what a leader looks like has changed over the years. So what is that leader's definition of a leader, the lens that they use, 
will affect who they identify. I'd also say sometimes the organizational context uh, plays a role in that. But typically what we see historically defined as one of these high potential leaders are folks who have just a voracious appetite for learning combined with natural talent in whatever their skill area of skill is. So combining natural talent with the desire to continue to learn and performing uh, far and above their peer group is a person who will quickly get recognized as being a high potential employee. Earlier in, in this show, uh, in past episodes, it's, it's come up a couple of times that uh, being able to communicate with clarity is extremely important for leaders. Would you agree with that? Without a doubt. Communication skills are a true differentiator in today's uh, landscape. The other differentiator I'd say is at a certain level in all organizations, everyone has a high IQ or intelligence quotient. Most of the top companies have gone to the top universities and taken the top 1%. So the other differentiator closely related with communication becomes their emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. So IQ versus EQ. And that has a strong component around it of how we communicate both verbally and non-verbally. Would you say most leaders are deficient in the EQ, a majority of them, and that's something you really have to develop? That's a muscle that Lee has mentored me in uh, for years now uh, and made me a much better leader. I'd say that because most people have been rewarded throughout their lives for IQ, more emphasis has been placed there. You got into college because your IQ showed that you could perform a certain way on a test. You had certain grades. So we've been rewarded for that. So I think it's a muscle that people just haven't flexed uh, long enough and strong enough. So EQ clearly at higher levels is something that people are starting to see is something that they must develop. It's no longer just about how intelligent you are. It's really about how do you treat other people? And in some ways, it was almost looked at in the past as, well, you're, you're soft. You got to be tough. You got to be rough. You got to be mm. mean. Mm. No nonsense. But uh, got to have all the answers. And have all the answers. But people are starting to see now, especially as we have five generations in the workplace for the first time ever, as my friend Anna Lyotta would say, uh, the younger generation is not accepting of that. <laughs> you can't just talk to people any kind of way. When I came into the workforce, oh my, I, I would just, uh, all kinds of stories about things that took place. Oh, those things aren't tolerated anymore. And so you need a leader who understands that you must be emotionally sensitive, emotionally in touch with all of the people around you and flexing your personality accordingly. I know some leaders have like this reality distortion field. That's something that, that Steve Jobs was accused of having. And, but it's true. There, there seems to be many ways that, uh, that if you don't stay in touch, you, not only with your company and your people, but you know, your industry and what's happening in the world, uh, and, you, and, you, and you're not constantly learning that uh, you, you can deceive yourself. What are some of the ways that, that, that leaders these days deceive themselves? Well, when you say that, it reminds me of the book, Leadership and Self-Deception. Right? That sure does. It's what I thought of. The first time I heard you use, yeah. you use that phrase, and I've, I've heard you speak a few times over there, I, that, that I always go back to that. One of the classics in leadership. But you mentioned Steve Jobs, and you mentioned the reality that some leaders delude themselves. And when we're talking about emotional intelligence, that's actually one of the areas that we evaluate when we issue the assessment to leaders. There's an area about reality testing. What is 
the reality versus a leader's perception of what that reality is. And oftentimes, that's where the gap is. A leader may feel that they are performing extremely well, but when we issue them the assessment and they see their score, they recognize there's room for growth. There's an opportunity there. And so getting people to really see things for what they really are versus what they imagine it to be is a real step in uh, creating uh, future leaders. Yeah, I've got a great example of that too. It's like my company does two different surveys. We do one called Voice of the Sales Rep and we do one Voice of the Sales Manager. This is for salespeople and sales managers. And when we asked the sales manager about how well they coach, oh yes, I coach everybody at least once a week or whatever I do, you know, I'm very good at coaching, so on and so on. And then when we asked the sales reps, not only do they quote vastly different numbers, but they also, but 19%, only 19% of them say that their managers give them personalized coaching that's, <laughs> that's, that's designed for their unique needs. So there's, there's one thing that, that, that comes to mind there. And I'm kind of wondering in, in your mind, you know, you, you speak a lot about coaching and you coach people on coaching. It's like, you know, what are some good, you know, what, what are the things that the good coaches do from the people who just think they're good coaches? In one word, I'd say, listen. Mm -hmm. Most people who believe that they're a great coach, unless they've been trained specifically, and I watch this as we go through the coach, I'm affiliated with a couple of coach training programs. When we see great leaders who come in who are just really talented, they go through the training and they realize, I've been talking most of the time. I've been telling people most of the time. They learn how to truly listen for the first time in their lives. That's a huge tip for our listeners. I'll tell you why, because we're not just talking about the squishy skills, but even being just more plugged in into the actual day-to-day -day reality of how your team is executing and what the pipeline is really doing versus what you think it's doing. Indeed. Are there some key takeaways that you can give the folks for how to become a better listener right off the top? There are four levels of listening that we often teach in these programs. Number one, I'd say that and it, we often are just listening and waiting for the other person to stop talking. <laughs> and as soon as they stop talking, we jump in. That's when we're polite. Other times, we just cut people off. I did an exercise with my wife's family one time and <laughs> just no, sat that's, that's 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 your wife's family. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, dear. <laughs> Maybe I won't be at the dinner this time, but uh, <laughs> I just sat and watched. And afterwards, over, I said, "Do you notice how often you all just cut each other off? It's just nobody waits for the other person to finish. You've been to our sales meetings, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's what we do. And sometimes we take that behavior, not just out of our uh, intimate settings with our family and those who we love, to our professional settings, to the people we work with, and as you said, to our customers. And so, if we're gonna really meet," our customers' needs. If we're going to be effective salespeople, effective business professionals, we really must take the time to listen, truly listen, give some space in between the dialogue. And instead of advocating, being really quick to make our point, maybe just linger, as Michael Stenger would say, linger in inquiry just a little longer. Ask that person another question or two, and then move on to what we are uh, what we want. We might find that if we listen a little longer, ask an additional question or two, we may not need to say something we thought we needed to say. Mm -hmm. 
And if we're trying to close a sale, mm -hmm. well, we know that sales one-on-one is the other person only cares about themselves. <laughs> so that's right. You know, so if, if they can come talk. to a conclusion on their own or whatever, it's like, it gets far better than you trying to push something on them. So that, that's, Absolutely. but you have to give them that space to be able to do that. And you have to listen all the way through to the very end, because one of the things that I was, I've been taught is that the most useful information sometimes is at the end that the, mm -hmm. the stuff in the beginning is just a preamble for them to actually get to the point they really want to make. But sometimes they're not even really sure about the point they want to make but it becomes clear to them at the end of the sentence. Indeed. Indeed. So that's, I believe, the key to managing smarter and uh, powering up your sales field. So that's the, one of the tips. You said there are four levels, though. Would you mind sharing one of the other ones? Sure. So we move from just hearing sound would be level zero, right? Hearing just general sound and then waiting for the person to, to finish at level one. But when we're listening at level one, we're listening just for them to stop. The next layer is level two where I'm listening, but I'm listening to you through my own experience. Mm. And that's where we get the what aboutism, or that's just like, <laughs> right? So you're telling me a story about your vacation. You're excited about your vacation and you spent this incredible time with your family. And then I go, oh yeah, that's just like the time that I went to that place. But when I went to that place, here's what I did. And I'm gonna just one up you, right? Wouldn't it be much more refreshing and much more powerful if I listened at maybe level four, the top level, where I'm not listening with any judgment? It's even if I've been to that place with you, I'm not even thinking about that. I am fully engaged with you, what you're saying. I am not having a conversation inside my mind. I'm fully taking it in. But in addition to taking it in, when you tell me about that family vacation, you're probably giving me a lot of signals with your face your eyes are probably going in directions in your hands. You can't tell me about the wonderful time you had without animation. At level four, I take it all in. I am fully present with you. And when that happens, not only can I learn more about you, not just what's being said verbally, but the words that are not being said, but also your energy and what's sitting behind that what you care about, what you're passionate about, what your values are. I am taking it all in without saying a word. You mentioned vacations a lot. I noticed you travel a lot. Guys and, and, and gals, anybody that should follow social feeds, follow Eddie's because you've been <laughs> to so many places in the past year. You've met so many very fascinating people. I'm kind of curious uh, of those. I know a lot of times it's because you're, you're brought in as a professional speaker. Uh, and, and I also see that you're also furthering your education a lot, too. So who's been the most impactful people that you've met this past year you know, on you and your career? Oh, boy. That's a really good question. And if I, I'm, I'm almost hesitant to give a name because I don't want to leave somebody else. You don't out. want to offend the others, right? <laughs> okay, not a name, but a concept that but, sort but, of blew, was new to you. That would be kind of fun to hear. Yeah. Okay, so I will, I will say this. And, and I, I believe I can safely say this and not make anybody feel bad. <laughs> I'm going to say Marsha Reynolds. So Marsha and Dorothy Saminovich, they held a workshop this year where I went to enhance my coach training. It was basically a coach mastery certification program. And I, I later would hire Marsha afterwards to be my coach. And so Marsha has uh, really become someone who I'm close to and who has taken me under, my, under her wing and taught me a lot. And she has the authority to basically smack me around and she 
does take full advantage of that. <laughs> <laughs> Verbally, I hope. <laughs> so I would say Marsha because she has taken me to another level as a coach. Uh, being with her, being around her, and her assessing me. Because an interesting thing happens as a coach. Once you complete your coach training, all of your sessions are private. So nobody really knows if you're really doing it right or not. <laughs> right? Yeah, almost like in a vacuum somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. That sounds so, like a gr- great definition, though, of, of, of a good coach versus a bad coach. A good coach is someone who takes you to the next level. Yes. And so she's a master coach. She's one of the people who founded ICF. She's a past president, and she speaks all over the globe. So she really has um, the background experience, the credentials, and all of that. But she has poured that into me. And so she's caught some of those little uh, bad habits that might creep back in. And so it's important, I believe, as a coach to have a coach. And it's important to constantly submit yourself to scrutiny. And so that's what I've done and I selected Marshall Reynolds to be that person. So perhaps out of all the people I've met and interacted with this year, I'd say that she probably would get the nod. Fantastic. We've got about a minute left, Eddie. Tell, uh, it's eddieturnerllc.com, everybody. How's your dance card for 2020? And uh, those of you that are interested in engaging with Eddie, he's an executive and leadership coach. He does facilitation sessions as well as a professional speaking. So all three skill sets. Yes, and uh, complementary skill sets in that uh, a facilitator uses many of the same skills as a coach, and a coach uh, uh, uses the same skills that a a professional speaker uses in that when we're speaking with our clients uh, and we're turning into, uh, I spend most of my time in listening, but when there are times we need to advocate, uh, there is a need to advocate and be a superior communicator. And so all those skills kind of go back and forth. What's been the most interesting or offbeat request that you've had during the past year or two for your coaching and leadership skills training? That's actually a really good question, too, because there's a request that came in that I almost said no to, and that was to start working with celebrity athletes. And I thought, oh, this isn't my area. Let me connect you with this person, that person. Actually, I did do that at first, and it got kicked back to me. So that turned into a blessing (laughs) because uh, that is now perhaps not one that I'm really promoting a whole lot, but it is now an area that I am working in that I did not see coming. I did not envision it and thought that, can you believe this? I'm a coach and I had limiting beliefs that I wasn't the person who should do it. You gave yourself that label errantly, is what you're saying. Yes, it, it's supposed to be you, Eddie. You put yes. yourself in your own box since we're going to talk yes. about leadership and self-deception. Okay? Yes, <laughs> I did. Isn't that bad? So, yeah. <laughs> we're all human, man. We're all human. <laughs> well, we hope that you guys will go check out Eddie's podcast, Keep Leading, uh, found on uh, the C-Suite Network, along with our little podcast. Uh, I think yours is growing a little bit faster. But uh, for those of you who enjoy this conversation, I'm going to do the bag. I'm going to do the ask, guys. Ready? Five stars. <laughs> subscribe, rate, and review, and be sure to check out Eddie's uh, book as well. And uh, Mr. Turner, can't thank you enough for coming on, and we sure appreciate it. This is great food for thought. Well, thank you both for having me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.